Well, we're in part two of a two-part series called This Is That. And the key idea behind this series is uh, the, the fact that in the Bible, there are, there are descriptions, there are moments that the people in the story don't quite understand and they have to be communicated. Maybe they don't even understand in the moment, but later they understand, oh, that's what that was. Oh, this is what that meant. And all throughout the Bible, we see that Jesus, when he's 12 years old, he, he, he leaves his mother and father and he's teaching in the synagogue and his mom goes crazy looking for a child like he's lost in Disneyland. And she starts chasing all around. For, for they, they, they left. They left without him. And they were in a caravan. And they found out, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And they go back and they find him. And, you know, Mary busts into the temple and says, we have been worried sick about you. Where are you? And grabs him by the ear. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I got to be about my father's business. Oh, I'm going to give you the business. Your father's going to give you the business right now. Like, they didn't quite understand what that meant. Like, Joseph was the father but it wasn't about that father, it was about the other father. And it wasn't business, Joseph has a business of cabinetry, but it wasn't about cabinetry, it was the other business, the kingdom of God. And, and there are these elements throughout scripture where if you don't look closely and if you don't understand, you can make it something that it's not. And so here we are in this story where Jesus is ministering for three and a half years, is arrested, crucified, buried, Three days later, he resurrects. He shows himself to the disciples. He breathes on them. They receive salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then he says, go and wait. Hangs out with them for 40 days. Then on day 50, in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. There are uh, tongues, uh, different, different uh, languages being told. And, and people are just, they're in the middle of it. They didn't keep it to themselves. They shared this moment where God empowers them. And, and this is where we pick up this story. Amazed and perplexed, the outsiders, as they're watching, they were amazed and they were perplexed. They asked one another, what, what does this mean? Now, some, however, eh, they made fun of them and said, <laughs> they've had too much wine. Now, look, no matter where we are, Whatever we're talking about, there are some that are amazed, some that might be perplexed, and then there are some that are skeptical. And even today, when we talk about the things of God, you talk about anything. There are people that are amazed. There are people that are perplexed. There are people that are skeptical. And sure enough, they were skeptical. Oh, man, these guys are, these guys are sucking back on grandpa's old cough medicine, and, and they're a little weird, and and so Peter stands up and says, no, 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 let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. He didn't say, oh, you just don't knock it till you try it, bless God. We're going to have a Holy Ghost party up in here, and you're just going to have to just, you know, watch and see. He said, no, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully. He didn't just say, we're going to have church, and us three, and let it be. Us two, it'll do us four no more. He said, listen carefully. These people are not drunk as you think. This is not what that is. This is, not, this is not that. No, no. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he goes back into the Old Testament, the prophet Joel, and he begins to describe how the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And he takes a moment to explain. Now, last week, we talked about this is that in the context of why we worship the way we worship. What real worship is. How God expects us to worship. When God expects us to worship. Why God expects us to worship. That is... That is that. And what we do on Sunday, we just, that is, this is part of that. And today, 
I want to talk to you about spirit empowerment. The same spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost and what that means for us and what really, what it has been to some people and maybe what it really needs to me. Like, because this is, this is that and I want to break it down and explain it in a little bit more detail. Now, the truth is, the moment I start talking about the Holy Spirit or the day of Pentecost or Pentecostal, I felt, I could hear it like tension. Ooh. What's it going to say? I brought, my, I, brought my, I brought my grandma. She's Southern Baptist. What are we going to, what is he going to say today? And so there are some that, that you grew up Baptist, some you grew up Lutheran, some you grew up Pentecostal in Assembly of God. Some of you, you grew up Catholic or Episcopalian. Some of you, some of you just haven't grown up yet. Some of you didn't grow up in the church at all. Man, we, you're, you're kind of like why we've designed this whole church even. So, so you're, no matter how you grew up, uh, some of you are amazed. Some of you are perplexed. Some of you might even be skeptical. That's okay. You're in good company. So there's people like that all throughout the Bible. But let's talk this out a little bit and see how this applies to us in October of 2018. So in order to do that, we're going to rewind the story of the day of Pentecost, and we're going to go 10 days earlier, just 10 days, not very far into the past of when that Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. 10 days before that happens, Jesus is walking Along the mountainside, his disciples are following him. They're having a conversation, and we pick it up in Acts chapter 1. When the apostles were with Jesus, now they kept asking him. He's been around. He's already dead. He's already resurrected. He's been around for 40 days. They said, hey, hey, hey Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore which kingdom? Our kingdom. See, they had struggled with the whole idea of like, I got to be about my father's business, but it's not this business, it's that business. Jesus even tried to teach him how to pray. He said, when you pray, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not our kingdom come. But yet they were still kind of, uh, they were just mesmerized and deeply entrenched with everything that had to do with their local government. They were so entrenched in that that the final times with Jesus, they were talking politics. This sounds vaguely familiar to today. And they're saying, hey, who's going to be in charge? How are you going to free Israel? Because they were under the thumb of Roman occupation. They weren't really free people. They were kind of given permission to worship in their synagogue. But they were under powerful domination of the Roman Empire. And they wanted to know, when is Israel going to be a nation again? Not just like a puppet in the Roman occupation. They, they cared about it. A few, a few months earlier, some of the disciples had gotten together with Jesus. They said, Jesus, <laughs> we've been thinking about this, me and Bart. And we were just wondering, Bartholomew, and, and we, we were just asking the question, um, you've got a, big, you got a big throne, and that's awesome when you go into your kingdom, big throne. But I'm assuming maybe you'll have six small thrones here and six small thrones there for your disciples. And we were just talking, no big deal, no presh, no presh. But just wondering if maybe Bart could have the throne on your right and I could have the throne on your left. And it's not just us asking our moms told us to ask. Because here in the background, mom's like, go ahead, ask him. My baby's going to sit next to the, the king of kings and the lord of lords. They were consumed with their kingdom. They, were cons they couldn't quite see beyond their own beyond their own needs, beyond their own kingdoms, beyond their own desires, they did not have the capacity to see what God saw yet. They couldn't see what God could see yet. 
So Jesus replies to them and he says, now the father alone has the authority or of another translation, the father alone has the power. He has the power to set those dates and times because the nation of Israel is going to be restored. We're all going to be part of that nation, a new heaven, a new earth underneath the rulership of Jesus and reign for millennium. In the, at, the end of the, at the end of all this thing, there's a brand new garden coming just like he intended it at the very beginning. But it's up to the father. He's got the power to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. And he says, you're worried about the wrong kind of power. You're worried about the wrong kind of authority. He says, don't worry about that. In fact, here's what you will receive. You're not, you're, we're not going to talk about, like, restoring the kingdom of Israel, but you, but you will receive power or authority when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, I'm, I'm, I want us to get beyond just talking about Israel, fellas, I want to talk about the globe. I want to talk about the world. I want to talk about the real kind of power. Not that, not, not, not this power, not this power, but Holy Spirit power. And here's what's going to happen when you get that power. It's not going to be power for you to say, ha ha, I'm powerful. But it's so that you would be witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, right where you are, throughout Judea, people close to you. Samaria, people that are different from you. And to the ends of the earth, people you may never, ever meet, but that matter to the big kingdom. Not this kingdom, this kingdom. Now, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. You want to talk about the quintessential, like, mic drop. You'll receive power. You'll be my witnesses. Peace. I like to imagine the sound. You know, <laughs> probably didn't happen quite like that. So they could not in, no longer see him. As they strained to see him, they were so focused. Oh, can, can you see him, Peter? I don't know, James, can you see him? I don't know. There's a cloud on my way. That cloud looks like a trumpet, though. Is that a trumpet? I don't know. It's an angel holding a trumpet. That's what I think. No, it's just a cloud. It's just a cloud. No, that, oh, is that Jesus? They were so straining to see him rise into heaven that... Two white men, two white robed men, not white men, two white robed men <laughs> suddenly stood among them. Suddenly stood among them. Now, this is a miracle. This is like angelic beings that whew, are right there and they don't even notice. They're so busy looking. So they're so busy looking, the angels even have to go, <clears throat> they say, Men of Galilee, hey, why are you standing here staring into? heaven. It was good to look for God. It was good to wait on him because he had promised he would come back. They had seen him walk on water. They had seen him walk through a wall and meet them in the upper room. They, they had seen crazy things. They didn't know exactly what to expect, but they were so focused on just wanting to see Jesus, they were forgetting. And the angelic hosts here say, don't you remember what he's been telling you this whole time? Go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift I've promised, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to be witnesses. Go and wait. Don't just stand here. Go. And sure enough, they go. And 10 days later, a miracle takes place where the Spirit of God, instead of being in the flesh, now the Spirit of Jesus is with us, the Holy Spirit, and inside of us and empowering us to do work for the Lord. And it happens on this opening day of the Feast of Pentecost, which is a big celebration of Jewish culture. 
God had designed several different feasts, several different holidays, if you will, for them to be reminded. So they, sell, they use these feasts not just to do something, but to remind. Why, why do we celebrate a birthday? To remind how valuable someone is. We celebrate another trip around the sun for that individual. Why do we celebrate Easter? It's a reminder. We don't just say, no, Jesus rose. We're only going to worship Jesus, and he rose on Easter Sunday. Every, every day else, just, you know, go to the club. <laughs> No, it's a reminder just to take a moment and celebrate. Christmas, we celebrate. And this feast is like that celebration to remind them of how Moses was given the Ten Commandments and everything that happened in the wilderness for 50 days after the Passover where the, the, uh, the Lord passed over all of the houses in Egypt and the firstborn child of every home died except for those that had covered their doorposts in blood. So they, if, they, if their door was covered in the blood of the lamb, the, the, the Lord would pass over them. So that's Passover, 50 days after Passover is Moses in the wilderness with the rest of the Israelites and he receives the Ten Commandments. Now, it's important to know the scope of the Bible because you're gonna miss some things if you only pick up one little piece. If you understand the, story, the whole story of God from start to where we are today, you can see some shadows in the Old Testament of things that are coming true in the New Testament, things that are happening even now. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna give you a little bit of what was then in the Old Testament and what was happening on the day of Pentecost, the Old Testament, that was this, but, but, but this happening in the New Testament, this is that, okay? This is what happens on this moment when the Holy Spirit descends and they speak in other languages, gifted by the Spirit, and thousands of people come to Christ. Here's how the shadow works. So, so look at this. In the Old Testament, Moses was on the mountain for 40 days waiting for God to speak, Jesus was with the disciples 40 days after the resurrection. There is symbolism here that begins to connect the dots. As Moses begins to receive the Ten Commandments, the cloud descends with noise and with fire. There's a physical manifestation of the presence of God taking place on that mountain. And then in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost, when the 120 are gathered in that room, the spirit descends in mighty rushing wind and like fire. More physical manifestation. We're connecting the dots. This, this is that. And we're seeing what God is trying to say. He's not just trying to resurrect what happened in the past. He's giving them a new direction for living. In the Old Testament, during that time, God writes the law on tablets of stone with his own finger. The Ten Commandments and the law of God. But on the New Testament moment, in this day of Pentecost, this feast of Pentecost, God is doing a new thing. And he's actually writing the law through the Spirit on their hearts. No longer is this going to be an external uh, code of conduct, rules, and regulations that you have to do externally out here in order to earn your way to get close to God. Instead, it's going to be what God does for you. You can never do for yourself. And it starts on the inside and works itself outward. Now, isn't that a little stretch, Pastor Jeremy, that it's written on our, on our hearts and the law? Are you saying do away with the law? No. Jesus himself says the greatest commandments, everything else hangs on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The other commandments hang on that. And that starts from the inside out. You will not love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
if it doesn't start in here. It cannot be a physical thing that you fake. Your fakeness will end at some point. It's got to be on the inside and work its way out. Now, what we also see is hundreds of years earlier, hundreds of years earlier, as the nation of Israel was uh, uh, in captivity, the prophet Jeremiah, he writes this statement. Look at this. This is the brand new covenant that I'm going to make with Israel when the time comes. It hadn't come yet. I'm going to put my law within them. It's not going to be a law externally. I'm going to put my law within them. Write it on their what? Hearts. Now, that was hundreds of years earlier. They were waiting for that promise to take place. And on the day of Pentecost, this is the beginning of that new way, that new covenant of living. On the Feast of Pentecost in the Old Testament, the people couldn't wait for Moses. All the Israelites that had been uh, rescued, uh, uh, exodus out of Egypt, they were waiting 40 days. And you know what they were like? They were, they, were, they, were like they were like my son two weeks before his birthday. How many more days before my birthday, Dad? How many more days before my birthday? When's it going to be? What are you going to get me? Can I get this? Can you have that? Can I have V-Bucks for Fortnite? <laughs> don't clap at that. And, 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 and I say, I don't know, son, you have a cookie. And I, he has a cookie. And he's like, how many more days? How many more days? How many more days? My wife is more like, how many more days until my birthday? You know, it changes, doesn't it? Well, they couldn't, they were impatient for Moses to come back. So they put the, the law in their own hands. They said, hey, let's gather out some jewelry. Let's make our own gods. And sure enough, they collect some gold and they form a golden calf. And as Moses is coming down off the mountain, he says in the scripture, Exodus 32, that's not, I, I hear that's not the sound of victory. That's not the sound of defeat. That's, that's the sound of singing and dancing. And sure enough, he finds them worshiping a false image. And isn't it any wonder, isn't it, isn't it interesting that the very first one that the hand of God himself wrote out, don't have any other gods before me. And they were doing it. They just couldn't wait. They, they were impatient. But you see in the New Testament, the 120, they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. When Moses comes down off the mountain and he has the tablets, he sees them dancing and having their, their false god party. And he pulls his right-hand man next to him and says, what's going on here? And I mean, his right-hand man, Aaron, sounds like a second grader. He sounds like he's making it. He goes, well, we just, we just put a bunch of gold in the fire and out came a calf. I don't know what, you know, it's like, I don't know how that got burned down and they're holding a match, you know. We just threw it in the fire and out came this calf. And sure enough, Moses throws those tablets, they, they shatter, and God's judgment is upon the people. They couldn't wait. And this is a signal now that trying to do this thing outside of the spirit of God externally, just following a list of rules, it's not going to quite cut it ever. It's got to be about the heart. Your marriage will not survive just because you stood in front of some people and said for better or worse, for richer or for poorer. It starts on the inside and it works its way out. So Moses gathers, he says, anybody that's for me, for God, come to me. And the Levite tribe comes and he says, now this is, this is a seedy, grimy story. But he says, you're gonna crisscross through this whole group, get your, get your swords and we're, you're gonna strike down anybody. And this is the judgment of God. They, they strike down many, many people. Also melt down the calf and they have to drink, they have to drink 
this liquid from the deal. And here's what happens. You can read it in Exodus 32. 3,000 people died that day. 3,000 people, the day that was supposed to be, here's the law, let's go, let's be a nation, let's go do this, here's how we follow it. That law, the beginning of it was destruction because there's no way they could have just done it on their own. It was judgment. But isn't it interesting that as those men and women on the streets are communicated by, to by the Holy Spirit through regular fishermen, regular people, regular Galileans, speaking in different languages. They're cut to the heart. They respond. And on that day of Pentecost, after Peter preaches, 3,000 people accept Christ and are baptized that day. What's happening here? What's happening? God's making things right. God is balancing the books. He's reconciling man to himself. That's the beauty of what happened on that day. But that day isn't just a moment in history. That day is actually for us. Like, like this, what we're doing at Timber Creek, this is that. This is that. And, and so the same way they asked a question, the people on the street, they, they, they said, they heard all the news about Jesus, and they asked this particular question. What does this mean for us? And the same question they asked today, we're going to answer today. What does this mean? This moment of the spirit empowerment, the day of Pentecost, what does this mean? Is this just a neat story to read? Or is, does this mean something for us as the body of Christ? Let me break that down for you. Right, you may want to write some of these things down. We don't have any blanks on the back of the bulletin today, but you may want to write some of these things. Number one, Pentecost is not an external religious behavior or denomination or set of rules. Now, we've made it that, the Pentecostal church, Pentecostal holiness, united Pentecostal, Pentecostal assemblies of God, Pentecost being something that, that we either grew up in or we walked away from or we got amazed by or we ran from. Stuff that's been genuine and stuff that's been like, even like, you know, here's the deal. It's not just religious behavior. It's not just a denomination or set of rules. Here's what it's really about. What we see happening, with the, the, the essence of Pentecost is this. Pentecost is an internal empowerment by the Spirit for an external impact on the world. Because they didn't have the capacity to do anything but just stand there with their jaws to their chest. They didn't know what to do next. They didn't know what to say next. They didn't know the strategy they needed. But after they waited, received the Holy Spirit, there was a divine revelation given to those people. And day after day after day, for years and years and years, the church is birthed and begins to grow exponentially. And you and I are here because of some people waiting on Jesus and receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. We're here because of it. Pentecost is not just about speaking in tongues. Now let's talk about tongues for a second. Like I said, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> some are amazed by it, the same way in the, Old, in the New Testament. Some are amazed by it. Give me all of it you can. And they're so amazed that sometimes they get a little weird. Some people, there are some weird Christians out there, let's be honest. Some tongue-talking weird Christians and some non-tongue-talking weird Christians. Okay. I could give you a perfect example, but I'm going to use a little restraint today. Um, there are those that were amazed, those that were perplexed and had questions, and then those that were, were skeptical, right? Now, for those of you that might be skeptical 
of the gift of tongues. I, I want you to know that many people become skeptical because something abused, something mistreated, something misused, or something they just don't understand. And things we don't understand, we like, oof, what does that mean, right? So skepticism is a dangerous place to be. And I want to invite anybody that's skeptical, just take one step with me. Step out of the skeptical and become perplexed. Just become perplexed. I'm not asking you to step out and say, Shondai. I'm saying step out of the skeptical and just become perplexed. Because I want to say to you this, if we can wrap our mind around a virgin birth and a resurrected Savior who's preparing a, a place that we don't see, but it's a place that when we die, our spirit leaves our physical body and we're with him in eternity if we've accepted him in our hearts as Savior and Lord. Like if you can wrap your mind around heaven and angels and Jesus, then I want you to just move from skeptical to perplexed and say, what does this mean? And get hungry and say, Lord, if you have more for me, I, I don't want to let anything keep me from receiving all that you have for me, okay? That's, that, that's, that's it. There's no, there's no twist. There's no, uh, uh, you know, switch here, switcheroo. There's no hocus pocus. Just if, if we believe the Bible is true and if this really did happen and they said this is for your generation, the generation and the generations far off, if it's something available that we would have um, the Holy Spirit in, us, in, in an empowerment way, then man, like let's, let's study that. And I believe if, if you can take the, the position of perplex and curiosity, Jesus will do his own work on you. Like you just let Jesus be Jesus. I'm not gonna preach it into you, right? I'm not gonna do that. Jesus wants you to encounter him just, just as much as I, way more than I want you to encounter him. And then I believe that you're gonna move to amazed. Amazed at how much Jesus wants to do through you. Sound good? That's, all, that's my little mini sermon within the sermon, within a sermon, within a sermon. This is like, <laughs> what's the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? With the, Inception. This is an Inception sermon right here. Okay, moving on. Pentecost is about, not about just speaking in tongues. It's about speaking, yes, the message of Christ to the culture through the chaos. That's the beauty miracle that happened on the day of Pentecost. Yes, they spoke in different languages, but the beauty was people came to Christ because they cut through the chaos. And if there was ever a time a church can't be stuttering on the good news of Jesus, it's today. If there was ever a time the church needs to be empowered by the Spirit to cut through the junk of this culture and speak the truth through the chaos, it's now. It's now. It's time. And we don't need a church that's just good at standing there, looking into the sky. We got to like go, be empowered to speak everywhere God has us to go. So what are the next steps then for me and for we? Because Pentecost or spirit empowerment is not just a corporate thing. It's not a denominational thing. It, it, is, it is corporately experienced on the day of Pentecost, but it's very much an individual thing for you and for me. So what does it mean for us? Well, number one, I would suggest that it means would all of us individually just resurrender to whatever Jesus wants to do in your life and through your life. Whatever he wants to speak into your heart. He's a speaking God. Would you just today just resurrender 
to everything God has for you. Pastor Dan, in the morning greeting a few moments ago, uh, quoted Matthew 6, 33, where, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. That same scripture in the paraphrased message Bible says it like this. He says, steep your life like, like, a, like, a, like a tea bag that is just, it, just, it, it immerses and it just changes. Like steep your life. Saturate your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't what? Worry is like a national pastime these days. You got baseball, apple pie, and worry. People just worrying about everything. Worrying about missing out, worrying about the future, worrying about the kids, worrying about this, worrying about the money, worrying about the house, worrying about this, blah, 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 blah. Worry, worrying about everything. He says, stop that. You're spending way too much energy. You need to steep yourself not in worry, but in God reality, initiative, and provisions. Now, the, the disciples following him, they had him in the flesh, and even they struggled. They were steeping themselves in present reality, present initiatives, physical initiatives, physical reality. The nation of Israel, they were worried about all the external circumstances. Those disciples were still mesmerized by their own kingdoms. And I want to say it's okay to care about what's going on in this nation. You, you ought to do your civic duty and get out there and vote. But you also ought to put the first kingdom first. Steep yourself in his reality, his initiatives, his provisions. And you know what? You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. If you're waiting for the White House to meet your needs, you're waiting for the wrong house. You're waiting for Congress to get their act together. Man, you just keep, they couldn't wait for 40 days. You're going to wait longer than 40 days, I promise. <laughs> Steep yourself into what God has for you. Do you know when you do that, you find your ultimate purpose? You may want to write this down. The ultimate purpose of my life. Two most important dates. The day you were born and the day you find out Why? Your ultimate purpose, your ultimate why of your life is to make a difference for the kingdom of God. It's not just to be a good dad because good dads are good. It's to be a good dad that shows his kids who Jesus is. And how all this is just temporary. We're looking for something beyond just all this. We, we, can, we can make the next buck and we can get the next promotion. But my job isn't just, to, my, my ultimate purpose isn't to just like get more money. It's to learn how to use my resources to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And that's the me. But the we, the ultimate purpose of this church is to help you get there. We just want to help. We're not going to make the difference for you. Together, we're going to equip you and all of us together. We're going to make a difference for the kingdom of God. That's the ultimate purpose. And we can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have enough in us by ourselves. So he wants us to resurrender. Number two, he wants us to dream bigger. Dream, no, 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 not, no, that's not a dream. Dream bigger. No. Bigger? Yeah. But not enough. Bigger? Yeah. Dream big dreams. What you think is big, if you can accomplish it with what you have surrounded yourself with right now, it's not really a, that big of a dream. If the biggest dream you have can be done in a month, that's not a, that's not a big old dream. 
That's like just a simple goal. You got to dream big dreams. And this church, Timber Creek, we want to dream big, crazy, audacious, hairy, scary kind of dreams. You know why? Because when we dream those kind of big old dreams, when they come true, not a single pastor, not a single leader, not a single giver can say, yeah, that was us. Say, oh, no way we could have seen that happen had God's hand not been on it. That's the kind of dreaming we need to do. Helen Keller, 19 months into her life, contracts a serious illness and is left mute, deaf, and blind. Can no longer see, can no longer talk, can no longer heal, hear. Through amazing sacrificial time and leadership and love, she is taught how to grow despite those difficulties and disabilities. And she leaves us with some unbelievable quotes from someone who couldn't speak, couldn't hear, and couldn't see. And here's one of her quotes. Helen Keller said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And do you know what the Holy Spirit does in us? He, he helps you see beyond what you can see. To see more than you can see without him. And we see that. The Apostle Paul says that to us in Ephesians 3. The Apostle Paul says, God, by his mighty power at work, where? Within us, the Spirit of God within us, is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. You can't dream big enough if you haven't invited the Holy Spirit to empower you to do what's next. You think it's big? You ain't seen nothing yet, baby. But the Holy Spirit working within you, you can dream dreams you never thought you could dream. Infinitely beyond your highest prayers or your highest desires, your highest thoughts, your highest hopes. We don't have what it takes inherent in us. But through the Holy Spirit through us, great things are yet to come. You know, you're an ordinary person. In fact, there's really no great people. They're ordinary people that do great things. They're ordinary people just like you and me. They put their pants on one leg at a time. Ordinary people that do great things. Can I say something to you? It may be a shock to you, but we're not a great church. We're not a great church. Now, one or two of you are like, hey, man. <laughs> I don't, you're still welcome here. <laughs> I don't know why you want to be here if you don't like it. But we're not a great church. We're the body of Christ. It's not like this is the great body of Christ and this is the meh body of Christ. The meh body of Christ, right? There's no such thing as a great church and not a great church. But let me tell you the difference. We are an ordinary church committed to a God-sized dream. And that's the difference maker. Because every church has an opportunity God wants the greatest organization in the world to be his body, not Starbucks. 
He wants the biggest growing organization to be being deliverers of hope, not Amazon delivering your Christmas gifts. He's got more through the church if his church would just start dreaming bigger dreams and believing for bigger things. And so two years ago, when we turned 90 years old, we launched a a 10-year dream of this church. The same way that Sarah was pregnant when she was 90 years old, a miracle of God. I said two years ago that I believe the same way that that Sarah's womb was given life at this church at 90. The oldest we've ever been, we're going to be the youngest we've ever been. The oldest we've ever been, but we're going to be we're going to be reproducing like we've never reproduced. And the dream that we had, our dream, our vision, what we want to look like down the road was a, is a simple statement that's been guiding us since. And it's it's very simplistic. Our big dream is we want to create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. Community destinations being a place where the church meets that people might be on that campus before they're even in the attitude or mood to be a part of a church service. That, 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 that a community destination where we go into the intersection where people, people say, yeah, let's go to that football game or let's go out to the park or let's go walk on the Azalea Trail or let's, let, let, let's, go, let's go to the zoo, whatever. We say, hey, let's go to church together. Hey, let's go be a part of what, what's happening at Timber Creek Church. A community destination, not just something that we feel obligated to, but something that people feel drawn to. Community destination where anyone... Anyone, not the people that got everything figured out, but a lot of people that like, oh, anyone, yeah, anyone. Even them, I know, yeah, yeah, even them. I mean, we're supposed to be a hospital for hurting people, but it's like, it's like we want to give them information on how to get well before they come into the church. No. He says, get out of the church, the Bible says, compel them to come in. That my house may be full. Full. And you know what? When you come in, it's okay not to be okay. But I don't want you to stop there because it's not okay to stay that way. But if you come in and you're hurt, you don't feel very strong, and you're questioning, you are perplexed or skeptical, I want you to know there's a church anyone can come to. And we're going to create community destinations with you in mind because I believe God has more for you. For people that can find and follow. Would you say this with me? Found people find people. Say it. Found people find people. One more time. Found people find people. Well, shouldn't we just be more about growing disciples of Christ? You haven't really been a disciple of Christ until you're part of finding people. Because like the whole linchpin is that you would be witnesses telling people everywhere about me, not quoting another 17 scriptures by memorization. Memorize the scripture. Read the Bible. But like do the Bible. Like, don't just stand there and read. Get out there, be empowered, and go. So we unashamedly say we all have a crazy, uh, inordinate, lopsided focus on lost people here. And if you need the church to be lopsided focused on just making you better, I want to say to you, we will help you. We'll help you get there. Your God-given potential is our mission. But your God-given potential is not realized in just knowing God for yourself. It's in knowing him and not keeping it to yourself. 
So next steps. Resurrender. Dream bigger. And number three, just like those disciples, don't just stand there. Don't just stand there. I mean, look, the disciples standing there means they were faithful to walk with him. They were loyal to him. It shows their concern for him. It shows their, their interest to him. But that's not what he wants for you just to stand there. He doesn't want you just to come in and just raise your hands and worship. Just. He deserves it. But that's not all he wants you to do is just stand there. You will not give God glory by just standing there. I'll prove it to you. Jesus himself says it in John 15. This is to my Father's glory. Like, just standing there isn't to my Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Don't just, don't just go through the movement, everybody. The, 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 uh, what I believe to be one of the strongest discipleship systems that has ever been built, I truly believe you are part of a church that's incredible, intentional discipleship. If you engage the process, if you engage the process and stay true to the process, your life will be radically transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. If you engage the movement process in our church, your, your life will never be the same. Never be the same. But you got to engage it. It doesn't happen by osmosis. I walk into the church, whoa, I'm, I'm a disciple. Like, like you got to engage the process. You got to bear much fruit. And he goes on to say, a verse later, I've told you this, not for you to feel bad, not for you to feel like obligated, ooh, I got to go bear much fruit, but so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. When you're making a difference for the kingdom of God, and you start seeing that fruit developed in your life and other people see it and they start mentioning it. There is no greater joy. The joy of the Lord is not going to be just vacation. It's not going to just be you getting time off. Joy of the Lord is not getting the kids out of the house and you just having a night with mama. The joy of the Lord is when you make a difference for the kingdom of God and see that fruit come to bear. And over the last two years, since then, two years ago, we cast this vision. This is that in action. We've seen 1,150 people find and begin to follow Jesus. We've seen 425 men, women, and children, young and old, water baptized. We've seen 480 people go through our starting point process, which is a four-week experience to get plugged into the church. The next one starts next week. Four weeks. Step one is week one. Step two is week two. Step three is week three. Step four is week seven. No, it's week four. 480 people. Wow, how awesome is that? Look at this. 64% of DCC attended at least once. Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, 64%. No, it's not Dallas Cowboys. I promise you, if 64% of Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders were attending, we would see a surge of attendance on Sunday. No, look at this, everybody. That is Listen up, die ball. This is die ball correctional center. 64% of the entire prison has attended a service. What? What? And through their own writing, not just by the raising of a hand, through their own writing, 332 of the 518 men 
have committed or recommitted their life to Jesus Christ. We're feeding 500 kids every single day in a school that we've adopted, that we've been to on missions trips, feeding them every single day. If we didn't have it, they wouldn't be in school. They'd be having to panhandle on the streets. But because we're feeding them, they're in school. And because they're in school, they're going to get education. And because they're going to get education, they're going to break the cycle of poverty. And because they're breaking the cycle of poverty, yes, we may have to feed their children right now, but they're going to feed their grandchildren. We're, we've been a part, we financed training 200 pastors in their own heart language in Malawi. What does that mean? It means a pastor came up to a missionary friend of mine and said, I, God speaks to me in my own language, but I can't read his word in my language. He speaks to me in my language, but I don't know, I can't read his word in my language. And so you and I were a part of financing a project that would translate the Bible into a very particular people group, into a language of 200 pastors that they themselves now, listen, are creating community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus, speaking the message of Jesus in their language, empowered by the Spirit. 50 women and children in complete care through Project Rescue. You guys, through your giving, day and night, 24-7, rescued out of sex trafficking, out of the streets and the brothels of India. But beyond what we're doing over there, right here, local and global, in the last two years, we've given $600,000 to, to help in initiatives to people we may never know, we may never see, stories we may never hear. But God says, go, and we said, okay. We hired a campus pastor for Nacogdoches with a, with a location we didn't have yet, believing that we were going to launch that in September of 16, we were pie in the sky thinking. We didn't realize all of the obstacle, the God story that was gonna be created. God had a waiting period for us, just like he had for the Israelites, just to figure out what is going on. And we're so much closer, but since then, we've made more than 10,000 personal connections through the campus pastors and their dream teams to people that live in Nacogdoches. Anybody from Nacogdoches in the house today? Put a hand up. Put, keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Look around, everybody. Look around. Whoa! That was a surprise. And guess what? All these good things, it's not about a pastor. It's not even about the dream. It's about the dream giver. It's about bringing glory to God by bearing much fruit. But here's the deal. The best is yet to come. We will not stand here looking in the sky saying thank you only to the things that have happened yesterday. We will continue to go being empowered to the spirit to speak the message of Christ in a language that makes sense to culture through the chaos of everyday life. The best is yet to come. We've done a lot. But really, frankly, everybody, we're just getting started. And now I want to introduce to you, for the first time, a sneak peek at one of the biggest next steps that's getting ready to happen at Timber Creek. I hope that you are excited to see what God wants to do through us. It's going to be big. It's going to take a lot of faith. We're going to have to dream big. 
But let's, let's back up the camera, not 10 days earlier, but let's back up to two years ago when we first launched this vision and let's see where God is taking us. Take a look. That's our vision to create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what God's called us to do. Our Jerusalem is right here. Angelina County is, is our Jerusalem. And God has called us to go to Angelina County first, to be planted there and go to Jerusalem and be my witnesses empowered by the Spirit right there with the people right where you are. And so that has to do with this church and this community. Community destinations in Samaria, that's people different than us. We're gonna reach people that have the same soul, but are in different circumstances. We're already in communication with three different jails, and we are gonna launch a campus inside three jails in this vicinity and community destinations in the world. This is people we may never know who can't do anything for us in return, have nothing else to give to us, that we, we, we invest with the potential that there is nothing ever given back. And that's how Jesus has called us to do. So not only are we gonna reach Jerusalem, but God's called us to Judea, and that are people that are close to us, and God is calling us to become a multi-site church. The same mission, vision, values, DNA, same senior pastor. God's calling us to reach this circle. We're gonna be one church in many locations. Why is that? Why go multi-site? Why not just focus on Jerusalem? Because God's just called us to go beyond Jerusalem. God's calling us to create community destinations and we're starting in Nacogdoches. 250,000 people around this area. Two million people in that circle. Two million people in that circle that I just showed you. A lot of them do not have a personal relationship with Jesus.
We're not trying to build a building. We're looking to create a community destination where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And God's called us to continue to be modern-day missionaries. Does Nacogdoches need another church? Nacogdoches needs the spirit-empowered gospel of Jesus because there are plenty of people that aren't in church still that need a place that will meet them right where they are so they can begin to find and follow Jesus too. And just like the first modern-day missionary, William Carey, who years and years ago felt the Spirit of God compel him to go and be a missionary to an unreached people group. People around him said, if, if, if God wants to reach the heathen, he'll do it himself. He doesn't need William Carey to do it. And William Carey, in response to the skeptic, in response to the one says, do we really, we really need to, aren't we just good doing what we're doing here? Let me pause. We got a lot of good things going. I just read you the list. Like a lot of churches would be thrilled with the kind of God-sized fruit that has been happening just over the last couple of years. It's nothing new. God's been blessing this church for decades. But we could be okay. We could just stand here. We could just stay here. We could be okay. But I believe we would be sinning against the dream of God for us, for you and for me. William Carey, when he was confronted by the skeptic, he gave this quote. He said, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. And you know, just until you don't want me as your pastor anymore, we're going to attempt great things for God. And we're going to expect that the God of the universe that he's going to provide great things. He's just going to do it. So we've got some next steps to take as a church, some next steps for that NAC location. It's not just going to go on your own. I just want to say to you that this was part of our vision two years ago, and we're continuing to see God move. We've had the strongest financial years the church has ever seen, more resources than we've ever had. But even then, the dream... God's dream is bigger than our current reality. And here's what we're going to need to do. Number one, we're going to need to pray and clarify. I'm going to need you to pray with me. Already God is showing up. I didn't share this in the first service. I know I've been preaching, but you got to hear this God story. The reason why it's taken us so long is because when we initially thought we had landed a location, it was the Nacogdoches High School. And we were going to rent their large commons area and their auditorium that set 500 people, we were gonna rent that every week for one day. We were gonna roll in big semi truck full of portable equipment, undo the back, roll stuff in at five in the morning, have two services, roll stuff back in and be out by 1.30. And we had gone around the country asking for national lease prices because schools rent out to churches like this to help with their budget. And the average was about $4,000 to $6,000 to rent for that one day, four times a month. Frankly, we were shocked when we got the email back that they were gonna ask, we were making our plans, doing our thing, and they were asking for 
17,000 a month to rent the high school for seven hours a, a week, 28 hours a month. And it was just, it was, we, we could not be good stewards and do that. Uh, we couldn't have midweek experiences. We couldn't meet up there on Tuesday nights. We didn't, and so I was like, man, this is just not, man, we felt defeated. We felt defeated. Then sure enough, somebody calls and it was the mall. Now, those of you from Nagadoches, we don't got a very great mall here, but you guys don't have a very great mall there. <laughs> like, like we have the Galleria. <laughs> And it ain't even like, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. You ain't got to lie. If you think, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> she said, it is. That's okay. We thought, you know what? What if we tried to breathe life into that building? What if we could breathe life and, and do something? And we even offered to them when we were talking about negotiations, we were going to paint the whole mall and 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 update it and freshen it and making it look not mustard yellow and we we're just going to do something sure enough it came back and, and we were going to be able to lease uh, uh, 20,000 square feet for, for 7,500 a month but it was going to go up every year 1,000 a month so it would go 8,500 next month, 9,500 next month 10,000 uh, up to 12,000 a month and that was before we renovated it was just a shell and it, it's going to take a lot of money to renovate and so then we just felt we were going to do it. We said, okay, God, you're, you're, we were going to rent the JCPenney's. But then we got blocked because there was a clause in another business there that, that they had right of refusal on who could have that anchor store in Nacogdoches. So we were back to square one again. And, I mean, we had hired Dan and Laura, and we're making connections. And, like, we've got a campus pastor that doesn't have a campus for two years. So you know what they do? Hey, we don't have to have a building to be the pastors of this city. So they start meeting people at coffee shops, going into City Hall, working for the Chamber of Commerce, meeting people up there, doing splash nights, doing the Blueberry Festival, doing all kinds of fun stuff, just making connections, just being relational to the city. I love you, Dan and Laura. I love you. <laughs> Will you give me just three more minutes to tell this story? Okay. Who give me three more minutes? 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, 21, 24. 24 more minutes. Okay. Old pastor joke. I love it. Oh, fun. All right. Some of you old timers are like, oh, brother. When we first started looking, though, here's how God works, everybody. When we first sat down with a real estate agent, they said, you know, there's a prime location. It's a half. It's on North Street. It's a half mile south of Walmart, and it's a mile north of Stephen F. Austin University. Um, it's It's open. Um, and I, they want somewhere between fourteen and 16000 a month to rent it. And if you understand leasing commercial property, there's also on top of that like other maintenance fees and shared responsibilities they call triple net. Triple net on top of that to take care of the parking lot and, and other things. We said, oh, we, we, we didn't even look at it. We didn't even go. We said, no, nah, we can't do it. it, that's just, it that, that in and of itself, is that's just too much of a burden to carry for us before we renovate and everything. So a year, we're looking at other properties. And sure enough, new management, a new real estate broker comes a part of that property. And they come to us and said, hey, we heard that maybe you were interested. We said, ah, we were, but we don't know. And uh, is Jeff Buchanan here? Jeff? Jeff Buchanan helped us out a lot on this, but we... 
we, we came back to them and they said, well, we'll, we'll move it down from 14,000. Maybe we'll do like 7,500 a month for, for 22,000 square foot of space. Now I know those numbers are weird for some of you, but for those of you that understand property, that, that we're getting into like some very economical numbers. And so before we signed, I had Jeff send a letter to the owner and we sent some pictures of what we did here at Timber Creek Church. And we just shared our dream. And we said, we don't wanna just sell widgets. We're not trying to open up a store and sell lawnmowers. People need lawnmowers, that's not what we're in the business for. We wanna create a community destination where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And we believe if you'll let us open the doors and give us a deal that we'll have more people on your property and they might be more apt to go and do other things in that plaza. And I said, tell them that we don't make money. We're not a for-profit organization. We, we rely on the generosity of widows and young families and blue collar and white collar and no collar people that because they believe in what God is doing, they give. And because of that, they said, so here's the deal. We can't even afford triple net. We can't even afford to pay what everybody else pays, but we would be willing to pay $5,500 a month if you'd be willing to take that final, nothing else on top of that. Just a few days later, they came back and said, will you agree to that long-term? And we said, let's pray about it. Jesus, yes, yes. <laughs> the very first property we weren't dreaming big enough. We thought portable at the high school. And I'm telling you, just by seeing the hands raised from Nagadoches alone, we weren't dreaming big enough. And it is a God story that that comes full circle where he closed the door on not just those two locations, the high school and the mall. There were other locations we tried that just the door slammed. And we come back to the original one that we saw. Oh, wouldn't that be great? And God has provided now now we have to take some next steps. And we, we're counting the cost right now. We're clarifying. We're getting as good numbers as we can. And I'm going to give some little, little like uh, info meetings. And I'll, I'll tell you about that. You can come and hear everything. But we're going to have to pray and clarify. We're going to have to borrow some resources. Even though we've, we've brought in a lot, we don't have the capital to pay this in cash. And so, But God has, through us going all in, given us the cushion and the, and the resources and the space to service alone well and still be able to do ministry and be flexible and aggressive. And we're not borrowing to build a building. We're borrowing to build an opportunity for people to find and follow Jesus. And you know what we're going to do through all this? Just like the heart of William Carey, we're going to attempt great things for the sake of God. And I want to tell you, just because you attempt great things doesn't mean that God always comes through. Sometimes there's a lesson to be learned. Not always does the, the race go to the quickest. There's plenty of opportunity. This is not a for sure thing, but we just believe God is in it. And we're going to just, we're going to walk in faith and we're going to step out of the boat. We're going to attempt great things. And you know what we're going to do through all this? We're going to expect great things from God. So just the next, the next few weeks, we'll be talking more about this outside of this service. We're going we're gonna to vote on it like we, we vote as a church to say, yeah, let's, let's do this if we, if we feel like God is, is in this. And I, 
I believe you're with me. I believe you're with what God is saying. Um, but I wanna, I wanna move into our moment of worship through the offering. Cody's gonna lead us in a song, but before he does, I want us to do that very, go back one, would you halls, halls, <laughs> pray and clarify. I want us to, before we do anything else, I want us to pray and I want my buddy to join me. Come quickly. I want my buddy to join me, uh, Sister Ann Lewis. A week ago today, we had the funeral of her husband right here in this worship center. It just happened to fall. The funeral fell on her birthday. Um, but you know what? It was a celebration because death is not the end. Brother Bob knew as a pastor of this church for 35 years, 19 is the senior pastor, 1970 to 1989. And then from 2000 to 2016 was our senior citizens pastor. And Bob and Ann together were the pastors of this church. They led the congregation not to buy this property, but to build the very first building on this property. And then the, the gymnasium that's now our kids center. They didn't just stand there. They were empowered by the Spirit to lead us. It was a one-lane highway out here. It was a one-lane highway. It wasn't the loop. Do you know that there were people that were amazed? There were people that were perplexed, and there were people that were skeptical back then? Yeah. They're like, going out to the country? Why are we going out there into the country on the loop? But, but God was just wanting them to dream big dreams. And they built, and they started a foundation here that they just were following for 50 years already and they took us to a place and then another pastor took us a place and then another pastor and, but all together it was all of us it was the me and the we together that saw God do what only he can do and the best is yet to come and I've asked Sister Ann this week I called her and checked on her and I said Sister Ann I just want to check on you but man I, as we get ready to launch out into something else new We've been talking about it, but now it's time to like not just talk. It's time to do. It's big stuff. We're sc I'm scared. It's crazy. God's going to be with us, but man, uh, it's big. Sister Ann, it would, it would mean more than you know if you would just pray over the church, pray over the congregation, pray over me um, as kind of the finale to this Vision Sunday incognito today. And so, Sister Ann, would you, would you pray for us? Share anything you want to share and then pray. Thank you for this honor. Babe, I stand here in honor of you. You're standing with me in spirit. In preparation for this, God gave me this scripture from Isaiah. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. Spare not. Lengthen thy cards and strengthen thy stakes, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Father, we thank you for the vision. We thank you for the call of God. Thank you for the call yes. that called us to build and to go and to work and to labor for you in this city. We give you praise for every miracle that you did. 
You took us beyond ourselves. We were not able, we were not capable. Nothing in our hands that we had to offer. We just offered you ourselves. We heard you say, just follow me. Yes. Just follow me. I'll lead you safely home. And now we hear your voice again, gently say, come on, Jeremy and Dan, congregation, just follow me. I have plans greater than your vision. It's my vision. And I will lead you, just follow. Be faithful. Thank you, Jesus. And now we pray your blessings. We seek your face. We humble. We purify ourselves as you told the Israelites. Yes. Purify yourself or God's going to do a mighty thing. Yes. He's going to do miracles. Thank so now Jesus. sanctify yourselves. Cleanse yourself. So now we say, yes, Lord. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by your Holy Spirit. And we pray to be filled with your spirit enlighten us oh god give us clarity and i pray for your spirit to fill these two vessels as they lead us we follow i pray that you would fill them with the power oh god in jesus name take them beyond themselves yes. do what only you can do yes, and we claim lives we claim souls for the kingdom of God, and we give you praise, and we give you honor. We march on. Pastor Andy Salagay said, there is room at the table. And now Pastor Jeremy says, a, ch a church that anybody can attend so lives can be changed. And their work for you, you can accomplish in them your desire. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name and say glory be to our God. We march under the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ in your name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's stand and give God our best. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We offer our praise. We offer our future. We thank you for what you've done, but we will not stand here. We will move forward in the mighty name of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I'll tell you what, we all have church up in here when Sister Ann prays the house down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Ann. Thank you, Sister Ann. Now we're going to give as a finale to our service. Thank you for being faithful in your tithes and your offering. But we're not just giving, we're worshiping. So let's worship in song, let's worship in giving, and then Pastor Dan is going to come and dismiss us. Come on, sing this with Cody. Oh, we say, I know breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't stop now. Stop now, every voice say.
Come on, one more time. Put your hands together. Are you excited? Man, as a church, we are going to attempt great things for God. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy, for leading us in big dreams and big vision, not just for our church, but for your lives. This week, guys, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Amen? We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.